right, brother. How you doing? Good, good. Elliot Marshall, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt champion, co-owner of Easton BJJ. If you're in Colorado, that's where you go train Jiu-Jitsu. Shout out to you guys doing doing the work, doing good work. We had great teachers. A lot of years. Get to stand on the shoulders of giants. Mall Easton, yep. the guy who took me down to Brazil in the 90s. We st- yeah. Which is crazy. Like, what are you doing going to, going to Brazil? That was an, that, that, that whole, I couldn't imagine that story, right? Because it, it just shouldn't work out. I'm all, I'm alling. Yeah, we've talked that's, about it. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> how I, that's how I ended up going because yeah. he was a mauling. But like I'm reading, uh, I'm reading Thinking Grow Rich again. Mm. And just the idea of uh, just the, the determination to keep going, right? This, determ- this unwilling and undying determination that I'm going to figure this out is is what this whole story for all of us is kind of about right because it shouldn't have worked like there's like the luck behind it the chance behind it all of it and you know i mean man he graduated from acupuncture school mm-hmm. right and then he's like i'm going to go to brazil he started jujitsu mm-hmm. he's been doing muay thai and martial arts right growing up he goes to brazil and he feels like he right he did he the whole reason why he went to acupuncture school was to do acupuncture on Hansel Gracie's hand after he got hurt, right? A little bit after his, his the the Valetudo fights. Sure, you know, but like just going to Brazil with n- not knowing really anything, right? Not re- knowing language, and uh, crazy. he still rolls like this. Though. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. He still That's like he there's no, there's not much different. He still like, we, like we, he's gonna do what he's gonna do. Like you know, you hang out with him, you climb mountains, you we climbed up the back of the Sugarloaf Mountain in Rio de Janeiro. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's like you have those moments like, am I going to die if I do this thing? <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, man. I don't do anything with him because I don't want to die. And it feels like, but it o- he always figures it out. I don't want to die. I brought him my kayak, right? So I, my yeah. dad lived in New York City at the time. And he's like, can you bring my other kayak? Because in, in you know, in Rio, there's big waves. Yep. And, he, he was a river kayak, extreme, extreme river kayaking guy, right? Um, and so he's like, can you bring my other kayak? Because I lost my other kayak. I lost my other kayak. Right, right. He didn't tell me the whole story. Right. And so when I got there, he told me the whole story. And he basically almost died, right? Like the wave crashed in on his, on his river kayak. And but all the Brazilians up. told him not to do it. Right. They're like, don't do this because everyone, this is how you die. And like somebody dies like monthly doing like... And, and so the ri- the wave hit the the skirt, took him to the bottom of the ocean, and then the undertow, undertow took him out into the middle of the ocean, and uh, and then helicopter had to come right and made the he even made the news. Henzo remember him, Henzo tells the story of watching the, the watching, watching the, the rescue, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, what idiot is this? And then I'm also oh, then they're like, oh, it's that gringo. <laughs> oh my god! And then he has me bring out his other one yeah so and he can do it again and my dad never forgot me bring it was my first time going to brazil and i bring this big ass kayak i wrap it around you know how do you kayak you transport a kayak on the plane you have to wrap it up in mm-hmm. cardboard and he did this uh, with skis with me I was, I, was, I was going to maui i'm going to maui right and he knew this guy on maui he was like hey and i have little babies like skis, skis, like, like, like snow mount- skis. Snow skis, yeah. Okay. There's no snow in Maui, right, right? Right. He's like, hey, 
and I have babies, right? So traveling with babies is not easy. Car seats, you know, everything, everything, right? Seats, everything. Yeah. He's like, do you think you could take these skis to this guy on Maui? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I'm all ship them. I was like, I'll pay for you to ship them. <laughs> like, I was like, the amount I'm, I'm gonna fight with my wife oh, about yeah. your skis. Like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Thus, yet you, you had him ship it. Yeah, I paid. I, yeah, That's he was good. like, yeah, he, yeah. he's like, he's like, you don't have to pay. I'm cause, like, we're not broke, right? Like, so he's like, oh, you don't have to pay for it. I, I was just, I was like, cool, no, I'm not taking yours. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. I didn't know any better, right? I was 18. 18, yeah. Oh, I've done this. Yeah, we've all done this multiple times with him. Oh my god. And now I just, I've just learned. It's funny because I took the kayak, right? And my, it was my first time in Brazil. I get to Brazil, and I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm kind of, you know, I get there, and they're like, "Do you have anything that's not yours?" And Hanzo Gracie asked me to bring a laptop to Brazil for his friend. So I was like, oh, I have this laptop that's, that somebody asked me to bring. They're like, oh, really? <laughs> and so they took me to immigration, the security, and I was there for like three hours. And I'm always like, dude, what happened to you? Like, he was looking for me and uh -huh. finally got inside and like saved me and got me out of there. I had to leave the laptop and then... They, f they figured it out. They made some phone calls. And eventually, I had to go back with the guy like to months get the later to get the laptop. Months later, like three, four months later, you know. And he got it back. But I was like, oh, sorry. Anna. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Because, <laughs> like, you don't know the first time traveling out of the country by yourself. Like, you don't know what to say, what not to say. You got all this shit of somebody else. Deer else's. in a headlight. Yeah. You know? Man, I can remember we traveled. Uh, once Dwayne fought in, um, <laughs> in Japan. And when you fight in Japan, the Yakuza pays you. So sometimes they give Yakuza, you a, yeah. yeah, and sometimes they give you a check, and sometimes they give you cash. Well, they gave him cash this time, and you can't come back in the country more than ten with 000. more than ten thousand. So we are like hiding cash, like <laughs> in our shirts, and and like it was a nuts story. Like we like, and then doing sitting there like I'm coming through customs, and I I told him because I had I had this. I have this crazy thing when I go through customs is there's somebody with my exact name and my exact birthday huh. that is a multiple-time felon. Middle name as well. Really? Yep. Same year, same everything. <coughs> and the only reason I know this is I would get stopped all the time coming through customs. So the only reason I know this is on, on a Christmas Eve or something, my wife and I were coming back in the country and it was dead. And I was getting stopped again. I just asked the guy, I was like, hey, man, is there a reason? Because there was nobody else in line. Yeah. I was like, is there a reason I get stopped? Like, every single time, I didn't do anything. And he, and he tells me. And I'm like, oh. He's like, next time when you see them, like, tell them to look at the guy's height. Because the guy was, like, 5'7". Oh, okay. So, uh, so I'm telling Dwayne this. Like, he's giving me this money to, like, sneak through customs. I'm like, yo, dude, there's a high percentage. I'm getting stopped. And they search you and stuff? They everything. search you, everything. Wow. But I didn't get stopped this time with Dwayne. Wow. Yeah. And he's sitting there looking like, you know how Dwayne can get all serious, oh, yeah, right? Man. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, if, if I blow this, Dwayne's going to beat my ass. <laughs> Dan Henderson, you know, like he got like serious money, right? Mm -hmm. For Pride and those things. And they were, they were telling me stories, right? You, you bring your entourage for like. For that. For that, yeah. yeah. To come back, like a bunch of cash strapped around your body. Crazy, right? Like. You know, whatever it was, three, four hundred thousand, yeah. five hundred thousand, whatever it was, maybe even more. Mil I think he made like a couple of times a million. Million. Yeah, because he won the Grand Prix stuff. Yeah, he did. He <laughs> was the middleweight champ. Yeah. He was the middleweight champ. <coughs> Crazy how this all worked <laughs> out, right? <laughs> Crazy. It's insane. Man. Yeah, we're hanging out and, you know, talking about uh, just uh, what were we talking about before? 
just lost my train of thought. Um, no, just w- we, we I did a podcast on your podcast, mm-hmm. and then that's how I kind of was like, man, because people had told me you should do a podcast, and uh, and then we did ours, and people gave me feedback, and I was like, dude, that was we just had a conversation, we yeah. just hung out, and we, d- we just shared it with everybody. That's it's like fun. Fish- it's fun. Yeah, you hang out and you share that with you know with other people, and, and you reminisce with your friends. Yeah, you know, and then like, and we li- we know a lot of people too, yeah. right? And then people get these like golden nuggets from like somebody else's story, but that's human history, right? Human history is just this storytelling, you know. It's it's and that that's how uh, everything has been passed down is, is through the 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 art form of storytelling, mm-hmm. and it just comes down to whether you can tell a good story, you know, you can have a good conversation and tell a good story along the way. <coughs> what got you into podcasting? Man, it's this lady. Her name was Aaron Weed. Aaron Weed. Yeah, and um, my friend Scott Strode. He uh, runs. He's an alcoholic, drug and uh, I don't know if he's he's an addict. I think drugs, alcohol, everything. Mm. And he runs uh, Phoenix Multisport. And he was one of one of our students. And I was teaching private lessons with him. And he and I were were really good friends. Um, and he ran on a little bit of hard time with money. And I told him, like, and he, so he, you know, and I knew that, like, the jiu-jitsu it was part of his, it was, it helped, it kept him on the straight and narrow, right? Right, right, right. So he was like, I, I got to take a break for a little while. I don't, I don't have any money, you know? I'm like, man, this will come back to me. This is too important. I don't want you to stop training. So just, we'll still do the lessons, mm-hmm. you know? And he put me in contact with her years later, like, you know, and uh, she is a public speaker, and she was like, you know what? If I were you, I, before I got into too much speaking, I would start a podcast so that you got good at talking. And uh, the rest, and then, yeah. So I started a podcast. I wrote, a, I wrote the book, you know? Mm-hmm. And then <coughs> I was, and then it just, you know, I don't know. It was from her. It was from her. She got me started. She said, do it. And it's, it's not expensive, right? So, uh, why whatever. did you, uh, why did you, uh, your book, t- talk to me? How did that uh, come about? From her again, right? She told right, me, right. but why did I do it? Man, I... Your why? My why is... So my overall why of my life is to be the man that my kids think I am. Mm. You know, like, because they... That, that's the goal, you know? And so uh, I'm, I'm always chasing that dream, I guess, because it's almost an unattainable thing, because I know, like, right now, I still, they're still rather young. Mm. They think you're a superhero, you know? So that's what I'm running towards, walking slowly, whatever you want to call it, uh, so that they can grow up and be like, okay, they can have an example of what a man should do in the world, how he should take care of his spouse, how he should treat his children. Um, the hard, the, the soft, the, the work. And that's why I wrote the book, is to share my story of struggle. Because, uh, I don't know, when you announced me today, when mm-hmm. we, you know, L- champion, owner, yada, yada, and th- that's all true, you know. Like I, I won't take away like those accomplishments that I've had, and that's what most people see when they see me. Like I'm, I'm a big guy. I'm still in decent shape, and they know that. But there's this whole other side of Elliot, and it's this, uh, it's this coward that exists. I'm, I'm a, ve- I'm, my default setting is is cowardice, is is to run. Like when fight or flight happens, I had to teach myself to fight. My my default is flight, and be scared. Um, and that's not what you think of when you see me outwardly. So if I can share both sides, that was the, that was the goal of the book. This, hey, look, I'm I'm not this by nature, and I learned 
through sadness and struggle and failure and all of this difficulty, how to be strong in the world. I, I didn't come this way naturally. Like, you know, we were talking about Hanzo a second ago. Man, Hanzo, it's as natural as Hanzo could be. Like, it's who he is. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, uh, he's getting ready to fight Pat Militich and they're chanting USA, right? USA, USA. And he turns around and he goes, man, how do they know I got my American citizenship yesterday? <laughs> there, look at all the, because he was fighting in Iowa, yeah, right? What a guy, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, Iowa, that's yeah. not me. I'm scared shitless. Like, I, I am not that. When I try to fake it and be that, I go way bad in this very uh, egotistical, uh, bullyish, bravado type of way. I, I'm, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for anyone around me. How, you know? how did you start to change, just be able to deal with it better and change it? What were some of the things that you did? Well, first I had to break. <laughs> you know, I, I, I cracked. Mm. Uh, Which you talk about in your TED Talk. Yeah, you know, yes. I cracked, crying all night long. You're uh, about to fight your UFC fight. Yeah. Uh, the UFC fight was before the crack. Sometimes I would crack randomly. Okay. Right? Like, it would happen and then it would end. But in 2016, I really cracked, and it did not end. It wasn't like two days, you know, or surrounding, like, you know, the three days before, the three days of a fight. Okay, you can get really scared. Mm. And then it would end, you know. Uh, but in this one, it just, it's oof, month, you know, it just kept going. And uh, I had to figure out a way out, you know. I had to figure out a way out. And, and for me, the way out was in. Like, to just be like, yeah, man, look, this is me. This is who just I am. Just owning it. Yeah. And, and stop trying to be Henzo, you know, because I can't. Put like, a facade up. Yeah, I can't be Henzo. And when I try to be that, this over outwardly uh, very tough uh, person who's not afraid, I end up acting like an asshole. Mm. And then the anxiety gets worse because now you got to live up to this. Mm. And if you can't live up to it, then at some point the world's going to, you can't live yeah. up to it, you know? Yeah. So I had to learn who I authentically was and and then work from there. Everybody has their uh, their insecurities. Mm -hmm. and everybody has it, right? Yeah. That's, that's to be human. Yeah. Right? So it's like just, just to be human that you're going to have that. We try to hide Especially as, ma as, yeah. as a man, right? Like well, I just it's think even more, more so. And I just think or it's different. Than it's different. It's different. It's not wrong, good or bad. Right. You know? Uh, I, I just think what is bad is we, is we try to n say that we don't have these insecurities, right, as, right, especially right. as men, you right. know, uh, and where, where it's like, oh, we have to be this way. Especially like fighters. Yeah. And, you know, like, or anybody, yeah. you know, like, look. I know, I know that world, so it's yeah. like, you know, you, you put on this facade, but, you know, we all have, we're all scared. We're all we're scared. All, we're all, yeah. We have our fears. Yeah. yeah, we're all scared. You're scared fears walking into that cage. Fears of insecure, uh, uh, you know, in Insecurity, imposter yeah. syndrome, all of it, right? Then, like, look, you start to become successful a little bit, and then you're like, man, if they only knew, mm -hmm. right? And and rather than give the idea of if they only knew, I just try to, I'd be like, I just tell them. I'll, I'll just tell you all my failures and all of my, my weaknesses, kind of, and then the world, you, the, like, you know, whoever's going to try to come get me. I, I like to liken it to the 8 Mile, the movie 8 Mile. Remember the movie 8 yeah, Mile? yeah, yeah. yeah. Eminem is getting butchered in every way in his life in this movie, right? Like his uh -huh. his buddy's sleeping with his mom, 
right? Like from high school. His car doesn't work. He vomits all over himself. He doesn't have a job. His, his new manager then sleeps with his chick. Uh, the other gang beats him up, you know? And he's like choking when he ever goes to rap battle. And then at the end of the movie, he goes to do the rap battle and he's rapping against Papa Doc. And his dorky friend asks him, uh, man, aren't you nervous? What, what are you going to say when he says all this stuff about you? And Eminem just goes out there and just raps battles about all the things that Papa Doc is going to say about him. Yeah, sure, blah, blah, you know, I can't do the rap, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he goes, now what do you have to say, motherfucker? And he drops the mic and then Papa Doc chokes. Because what Papa Doc was going to try to use against him. He owned it. He owned it. He owned it. And now if, if, if you just own it, you know, Papa Doc is the metaphor for the world. The world can't use it against me. Well, I'm, I'm scared. No kidding, I'm scared. I already know I'm scared. It's the me trying to hide my fear that makes it very unbearable. I always talk about this, this book from Sebastian Junger, the Tri book. Okay. Did you, did you read I it? I read it, yep. Yeah, yeah. And he has those, those three things, right? One being authentic mm -hmm. is being one of them, right? That we all need to be content and happy. Mm -hmm. My good and my bad. My good and my but bad. But just everybody needs to see it, right? <coughs> so, yeah. So, so they know when, when things go down, like who you are for the survival of the tribe. Mm -hmm. And everyone has their role. Like we were joking about Amal a second ago, right? Yeah, and like yeah, like yeah. the skis, <laughs> yeah. right? And you're like, you get, you're like, sure, you get irritated with them in that moment for the quote unquote annoyingness or the, or the kayak, right? But if he wasn't who he authentically mm -hmm. is, then this wouldn't have yeah, gone would this have way. Never gone to Brazil. Right. You know, like he didn't want, for me, he didn't want to clean the school because he wanted to go skiing or something, right? <laughs> so then I got to clean the school and I didn't have to pay tuition. Yeah. So he is who he authentically is and everyone is. No one can, uh, I can remember I, I was uh, working with this coach once mm. and he told me, Elliot, no one will act outside of their highest value. And I was like- Outside of their highest value. It's not, the problem is, is you want them to act inside your highest value. I got you. And then when you mess up that expectation, there it is. Amal wanted a kayak, right? Mm -hmm. He wanted you to bring it down. And you're like, what the fuck? And your dad's like, oh my God, what the fuck? What he strapped you? Yeah. His, his car. Yeah. He's like, well, what are we doing? But Amal's highest value is I want to go, kind of, right? Like he mm -hmm. wants to do what he wants to do. Right, right, right. But that also is what got him to Brazil. And that's also what got him to meet Henzo. And that's also what got him to then come back to America and open the school. And then that's also what got me to be able to then go clean the school. Like that, that highest value of his. So how can I get mad at it? You know, you can't. You can't. You just got to roll with it, accept it, know who he is. Part of the story. It's part of the story. Part of the journey. Yeah, you know. So yeah. we can just sit down and laugh about it rather than be irritated by it. One of know? my favorite things is is that story too of how you you started by cleaning the mats mm -hmm. and now we're an SA, you know, co-owner of of Easton BJJ. You guys yeah. have all these locations. You guys are the the place, you know. Um, have uh, I don't know hundreds of black belts. You know, I don't, do you know how many black belts you guys? I think have we're at one thirty. One thirty, and uh, and uh, yeah, man, just just you cleaning the mats <coughs> to, to doing that to go fighting the UFC to. All your jiu-jitsu championships and everything else. I like to say I'm the luckiest person alive because two things. One, the thing that I loved personally, martial arts, it boomed when I when when I was ready for it to boom, mm -hmm. right? Like, and I'm 
I'm not like Bill Gates or anybody, you know, like we're not, we're not that, right? (laughs) But that, like, if Bill Gates was born 10 years earlier, Mm -hmm. uh -uh. same thing with Elon Musk, right? Just wouldn't, like, the timing wouldn't have, or or 10 years later, somebody else would have done it, just wouldn't have been that person. Mm -hmm. So, my thing, Elliot's thing that he really loved his whole life since he was six years old, that everyone like laughed at him for, and yeah, you know, like it boomed, it blew up when I was ready for it to blow up. And at first, you thought I thought that was going to be fighting. Mm-hmm. It turned out it wasn't fighting. It turned out it was teaching and coaching in the schools and and like trying to really influence other people through this vehicle that is martial arts, mm-hmm. where a lot of people, not fighters, want to come do it. And for some reason, they, they really want to come do it now. Um, so that is the, that's the luck. The first piece of luck is that my thing boomed. The timing, yeah. The second piece of luck is that my hard work can actually pay off. Because there's so many people that work so much harder than me for water and food. Right? They, they work th- three times as hard. And it's to put food on the table and only like skate by. My hard work has been able to pay off in a way uh, that has been spiritually, mentally, financially, vocationally very fruitful for not just me, but for many other people as well. So that is the massive luck of my life. And it doesn't take anything away from the hard work that we all had to do to, get, to make it happen. Like I'm all living in the gym. Yeah. I'm uh, you know, separating and building a bunk bed in the back of the gym, sleeping right. in the gym. <coughs> and then you're already like, a little bit older. Yeah. yeah. And then he let Jay live there when he got a house. I had to live there for a month with Jay. So it was me and Jay in the back room with Jay's dogs. Shout out to Jay Jack. Hell yeah. In Maine, right? Yeah. Where, where is he in Maine? He's Where? in Maine. He's in Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine. Yeah. So we're the right ca- outside of the it. The Academy, right, is the name of yeah, the gym? Yeah, it's called the Academy. And uh, a massive influence in my life. You know, like the two of them, I would say as a young, young adult, it was Amal and Jay who really influenced my life in the in the most massive ways like you know because you need that not quite a dad figure but a dad figure when you leave your actual dad you know and that was that's who they were for me yeah they say like uncles and those those it's not your dad Mm -hmm. but it's like some other male figure yeah we need that influences you yeah and i think that's a lot of what we're missing now is we're missing strong male figures Mm. you know We're we're missing strong male figures in the world that people can look at uh, and I, I don't, and I only say male right now because I don't. Uh, I'm not a female, so I don't want right, right, right. to judge the judge right. a female for what they they need to be providing and doing. You know, so I'm only gonna own my end of the my 50 percent of the of the street, I guess, or whatever. You know, of the deal. We got to step up better. Yeah. You know, man, you you started with jujitsu. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. If, did you ever plan on fighting MMA? Later I did. On? You did from the get go. Man, this is a so. That, that's how I started jiu-jitsu. I started jiu-jitsu because uh, I had no friends, right? Um, house got vandalized all the time. Nigers go home the first time. They spelled it wrong, right? Swastikas Nigers. all over. Nigers, yeah. Uh, they, swastikas all over it. So, like, this was just my existence because I had a, a black dad and, and a Jewish mom whose parents survived the Holocaust. So I grew up with this fear you know, in the world. And then, like, the fear started coming true with the vandalization mm. and the racism and, and nobody accepting me, really. And the only place I was accepted was karate. I was doing karate in the 80s and the early 90s. And uh, in the late 90s, 1998, I believe, no, 97, the summer of 97, 
John Hassett, who is a black belt with the Miglarisi brothers. He, okay. at the time, was not. Uh, we were doing karate together. And he didn't do the, the, he did the master's division of the karate tournament. And I was like, ah, oh, you pussy. You know, because you would, you would spar each other because it's just point sparring. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. He's like, come to my house. I was like, okay. I was like, when? He's like, next Friday. And I had no clue he was doing this jujitsu stuff. So I go to his house and he just beats the brakes off of me. And I'm like, oh my God, I got to learn that. You were a teenager? I was, not, I was 17. 17. Going into my going to the university. senior year of high school. Okay. And again, no friends at this point. And I hear no friends and very fearful. It's so crazy, man. It's even hard for me to imagine that just because of how you are yeah. and how many relationships and friends you have with, with the, as long as I've known you, you know? It was through martial arts. And that was a conscious too. choice, though, when I when I went to Colorado. Right. You being, yeah. you know, you, I'll let you share that story, yeah. too. So I learned jiu-jitsu a little bit that summer. And I come back to school, and I start talking about it. And some wrestlers that were state champs hear me talking about it. And they're like, yeah? They're like, we'll, we'll smash you. Mm. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's try it. And I, it was stupid because I wasn't very good yet, right? And wrestlers can be monsters, yeah, yeah. you know? especially as a white man, I'm not even a white belt, I'm a white belt. So, but I end up beating them. And like in that moment, what'd you get him in? uh, I got one in a triangle, you know, and they turtle and I got one and I choked them. Nice. You know? And in that moment, I started to get some friends. Like the next day, people like, yo, Elliot. And they started to be cool to me. I think like two weeks later, a girl kissed me and I'd never got, and I'm like, oh. So I start to like connect fighting Mm. with safety in the world. And this ended up being my detriment with fighting, connecting the two. So I just start saying, I'm gonna fight. Well, the first thing I did to fight, according to the UFC, was learn jujitsu. So there, you know, so that's that's what got me down this jujitsu road. The fighting thing happened, I was married working at a bar and my wife goes and I was just training jiu-jitsu and there's no money in it right you gotta travel everywhere it's you know early 2000s and my wife goes so you're gonna fight sometime here or are you gonna get a real job and I was like shit fight or a real job fight or I was like fight because you had graduated college graduated college yep college was over um you're still doing the jiu-jitsu thing still doing jiu-jitsu even more you know even more so that I could get really good be a champion and but there was no money. There's there's no, nothing. You know now. There's yeah, all there's, these you events couldn't be Gordon Ryan. Right, right. N- it right. wasn't even a dream to be Gordon Ryan. There Gordon Ryan. There was Gordon Ryan's. There's people who were the best in the world at the time, and they were broke. If they if you didn't have a school where you could make a living a little bit, right. you were broke, because it hadn't boomed yet. Right. You know the Ultimate Fighter was oh four. I think it was later. No, it was 04. 2005. No. Nope, 04 was the first year. Okay. Yep. Okay. So the Ultimate Fighter was all 04. So when you told somebody that you were going to fight in the UFC or do this martial arts thing, fighting for a living. It came out 2005 then. Yeah. 2005. Yeah. Okay. Okay. They, were, they told you you were crazy. Like, how, what do you, what do, like, my, my parents told, my parents hated it. My grandfather hated it. Every, like, every, they're like, what are you doing? You're smart. You have a math degree. What are you doing? And <laughs> which, which, uh, I'm trying not to tell my kids that, you know, I'm trying to tell them, all right, what do you want to be great at? Let's go. But that's, that's how it went. And, uh, you know, I started fighting the connection of Elliot safe in the world 
with fighting was my eventual downfall in fighting. Mm. Because, uh, you know, we talked about the fear and all that. Mm. I wasn't, sure, I was fighting for money. We all were. But the first thing that I was fighting for was to have a friend. To have somebody, and my grandparents always said this, you need to have a friend that will save you from the Nazis. And I had no friend Mm. until I beat people up in high school, right? So therefore, I have to beat people up to have friends that are going to save me from the Nazis when Hitler comes again, because I was also, that was ingrained in my head. Hitler will come again, and you need to have a friend that will hide you. You grew up in Jersey? I grew up in Jersey. Huh. Yeah. You know? But that that was so ingrained in me. So now I'm connecting fighting, in the, fighting mm. with being safe in the world. And that's, you know, and now I get very scared to lose. And if you watch my style of fighting, I didn't fight in this very aggressive, go for the kill type way. Because you know, when you go for the kill, you can also be killed. Right. So uh, that was my downfall. That was my downfall. But hey, here we are. Yeah, man. How? Tell me about high school for you. How was high school for you? Like, it's man, terrible. you didn't, didn't kiss the girl till you were like seven. That's about. I was seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. And seventeen. You had no friends. I would walk the halls alone. You know. Uh, the only time where people would actually spend decent time with me mm. was like in class because you have to sit next to somebody. Mm. I ate lunch alone. 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 Somebody, every day, man, my sophomore year of high school. Did I mean, you go I, to the library or anything? No, I just ate just in the cafeteria by myself. By yourself. Yeah. Like some other people would be around me, but like the we wouldn't. bully you or, you know, mess nobody with you? Nobody bullied me. You just stayed so quiet. I was just, I, I was just alone. I was, you know, the, it was just, uh. It was, yeah, it was an existence of, of by yourself. And, and you know, the, my saving grace was martial arts. I did karate. There I was accepted. Mm. So that was, this has always been like my safe haven of, of where I can be. Um, so, yeah, high school was awful for me. Absolutely terrible. Hmm. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish my high school experience on my worst enemy. Because you know, all you want is a friend. What what uh, if you were you know you go back in time? Like, what are some things that I don't know could have changed that that you could have done? Look, I was a late bloomer in a lot of ways as well. You know, Um, so I I didn't like lose some baby fat until that senior year of high school. Okay, so I was a little chunky, but I was ashamed of being chunky in a way that I was like, okay, I'm not gonna buy bigger clothes because if I buy bigger clothes, I'm getting fatter. And, and look, I still deal with this struggle today of thinking that I'm fat. Mm. You know, like when somebody says, damn, you're looking jacked. It's not what I hear. <laughs> I hear, damn, I must be get, I must be fat. You know, which, uh, like you said it to me today. Yeah, and yeah. I don't <laughs> think you were calling me fat. No. <laughs> yeah. But like, I have to talk myself out of that. Okay, okay. You know, like, and, and that's, it's that not. if you have. Yeah, it's, it's just. Entrenched, yeah. Right. It's that coward in me. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean, mean that it's true. It means okay. That that's where that's where my default went to, which is, I can't really do much about my default. What do I do after the the next step after default? What do I do with that? Mm-hmm. You know, so that that didn't help myself there. Uh, when you know my first couple times that I asked girls out, middle school, you know, um, I shot for the tens, Alberto, and they weren't going. They're like you know, and I just kept shooting for tens, and that was you know, and then you had no success and. Like, and then you get made fun of. 
you know, Did you have sisters? I had a sister. I have a sister. Younger yeah, or older? Younger. Younger. Okay. You know, but she had the same experience as I did. Okay. Yeah, we didn't, We yeah, her experience was mine, but she didn't have karate. So hers was a little worse probably. Mm. And girls are, girls can be meaner, mm. you know, like, look, I can remember my, my freshman year of high school, maybe eighth grade, man, the girls made a list of the ugliest kid in school. And the teacher found it. She hung it on the fucking board. Why? But my name was number one. <laughs> you know? And everybody saw that. And everyone saw it. You know, everyone saw it. And I'm like, could, could you take that down? Mm. Like, that, that's not helping me. So that was my experience. That sucked. I still don't understand why the teacher hung up. Just, just throw it away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Just throw trying it away. Why? Trying to embarrass the, yeah, the why? they're already self, so, so self-conscious yeah. right? at that age, you know, of middle school. Yeah, why, why yeah. are you doing that? To, like, you're, yeah. you're not punishing them. Yeah, yeah, you're punishing. You're punishing on whoever's on the list. Yeah. And I was number one on the list, so thank you. <laughs> you know? Crazy, huh, man? But that was just it. It's so crazy because uh, you've totally flipped the script, like I was saying, and you're like, it was a conscious decision. Yeah. So do you want to say how, because you're, you're flying out to Colorado, I'm right? literally on the plane. I have to one friend college. at the time, his, mm-hmm. you know, through my whole life. His name is was Steve. Uh, he's, he's passed, you know, he passed the week after we closed the schools for, pan- for the pandemic. He, he passed sorry, away, sorry. yeah. Um, so he, he, my parents went to Colorado early you know, to do vacation. I stayed home with him and hung out. And he takes me to the airport, and we're both crying because he only has one friend, too, and it's me. <laughs> and I'm leaving. Uh, and I can remember sitting on the plane crying. And I, and I just was like, I'm going to change my life. I'm gonna ch- I'm, I'm, I don't have to have this existence anymore. I'm going to talk to people. I'm, go- I'm going to make friends. I'm going to be outgoing. Because nobody knows. Like this Elliot that existed in New Jersey, no one knew him. You already lost weight. Uh, yeah, uh, by yeah, time. I'd already lost weight, you know. And I wasn't like overly fat. I was just chunky, mm-hmm. you know, like a kid chunky. And I was like, nobody knows I think that I have a Elliot. picture of, of us together with uh, you as a white belt, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nobody knows him. So I changed. It's just a, it's just a choice. Mm-hmm. You created your reality. I created my own reality. You know, I created a different reality. And, and you know, and I, st- and I, I guess today I just keep trying to improve on that reality. You know, I've, I have uh, a lot of people that I love, you know, and uh, I know that that word gets used a lot, you know, but I, I genuinely love everything about the people in my life. You know, and I've been more selective about uh, about those people, and I think that comes with age now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't have time. Uh, you 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 don't have time for s- but so many people, mm-hmm. and even like you know, you and I, we don't we see each other now more often because of uh, Eastern Online and right, stuff, right, right? right? But before then, it didn't matter, right? Like time goes by, time goes by, but you still are connected to those people. Jay, Jay's in Maine. And Jay's doing his thing, but 
literally, uh, Jay and I played phone tag a couple weeks ago about a non-issue, nothing important, you know, not, nothing like life-threatening. Mm. But Jay would literally, my wife could call Jay and say, hey, I need you to come out. And he would do it. Mm. So that, you know, those, you know, as, as time moves on, you have more of those friends. And, you know, because you got a family, you got kids. And, you know, things move and shift, so... But along the way, I had, a, I had a great time. I had a great opportunity and time, in, you know, having some influence on some people. And that's, that's what we're all here to re really do is spread that knowledge and love. You've been doing these retreats in uh, Hawaii, Maui? Yeah, I got one in two weeks. In two yeah. weeks? Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Right yeah. for Christmas time? But yeah. Uh, Drew Dober fights on the 17th. Okay. Uh, it was going to be the 10th. So I, I made my retreat on the 18th. Then they moved this fight to the 17th, and he was like, can you do this still? I was like, yeah, man, but you got to fly me back to Maui, you know? So, yeah, I got a flight to Maui, and retreat starts on the 18th. Cool, man. Yeah. Why do you, why do you love doing the retreats? Uh, what do you I'm a very spiritual it? person. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not very religious, but I'm very spiritual, and I have had these amazing spiritual experiences in the ocean in Maui, in one particular ocean, one at one particular beach. Mm. And... Maui is just my place. My, it's my family's place. We, we love Maui. Uh, there's something about it. I, I can't explain what that is. The peace that I feel there when I'm there, the calmness, the, the aloha culture. Like people, you hear people complain about they're not, ni like, like they're not nice to like white people from the island. Man, they're not nice to you if you come and try to use the island for like vacation. You know? But if you pay attention embrace in their culture a little bit, see what it is they're doing and give back to the island, it's an amazing place. Mm. It's an amazing place. And I really love it. And this one time in the beach, I thought of both Easton Online and the retreats all at the same time. Mm. I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta start giving back a little more. You know, like I can't just, I can't just like uh, have Maui be for me. So how can I have Maui be for, give this, experience to other people i was like yeah i was like man i bet you i bet you like we could consult and like bring jujitsu owners here mm -hmm. so like it all started one day in a beach on, in the ocean there you go you know what are some of the benefits benefits you've seen with people going to these retreats you well see it's them men grow, only you see them grow. right uh -huh. it's men only mm -hmm. and we start with uh a meditation on the beach mm -hmm. every day every morning uh, uh, in this park before the sun's up okay and by the time we're done the sun's starting to come up mm. and people just open up you know people just open up about their their shortcomings where they want to go in their life mm. and things and uh that's they get to experience the culture you know they get to ex experience uh everything about maui everything about a bunch of dudes hanging out together because it's being, being real huh? being real because and we're mm. together the whole day we wake up at 5 30 mm. we get to the beach we meditate and we how don't many guys about, i don't like it to be more than 10 so you okay. know i have eight this time okay um but we're with each other from 5 30 until seven or eight and we don't like it's all day in the van driving places mm. so you're like talking shit you know and having fun mm. Um, we go on this really incredible hike where you have to like help each other in the hike. So 
What's the place? Hana? The ha- is it it's Hana? A, yep. It's, it's on the road to Hana. It's, okay, it's okay. Bamboo Falls. Okay. And you can stop at a point, and it's not that hard. But when you go all the way up to the top, like, you, you like I got to help you. You got to mm. help the person behind you, you know? So the group has to take care of each other. And there's mm. just this bonding, mm. you know? There's And and then, you know, uh, I have this. I don't even know why. I, I know why now. I didn't know why he did it the first time. There's, the, there's a, one of our students. His name is Bryn Fosborough. And he trains in Boulder, and he he lives in Maui six months of the year. Okay. And when he, he signed up for the first retreat, and I was like, man, I can't believe he signed up for this. I thought he hated me, you know, like I just thought he didn't like me that much because mm-hmm. he's just a very quiet dude, and mm-hmm. I mostly teach in Denver, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't really know anything about him. I knew he was successful. On the first day, he, you know, I was like, I asked everybody why they came, and he was about to be the retiring CEO of a COO, sorry, of this company called Trimble. And Trimble's a company that started in Boulder. It's a $4 billion software and engineering company. And he was employee number seven. And so he just watched this whole thing just, he was like a massive part of this whole thing exploding. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and he's a super success, uber successful dude now, right? And he told me that he listened to one of my podcasts with Big Alex Huddleston. You know Big Alex, right? Big Alex, yeah. And we were talking about leaving a career and changing, you know, like when we both had to leave MMA. Mm-hmm. And he was really greatly struggling with leaving his career because it's the only thing he was. He's like, I wasn't that great of a husband. I wasn't that great of a dad. Uh, but I crushed this. You know, I crushed Trimble. But now... I'm scared, and he was up all night, sleeping, panic attacks, all the stuff. And when he heard our podcast, he's like, "It kind of saved my life." So I've always had this connection to you mm. because of that podcast. And he goes on these retreats. He comes to every single one, and he just gives these golden nuggets when we're driving. You know, like people wow. say things, but he's a, like, he's a ridiculously successful guy. He built a company. Yeah, and. So yeah, he That's like cool, man. I called him la- like last week. I called him. I was like, "Hey man, do you want to pay for this? Because I don't like you give as much as you you know I got." And he's like, "No, I want to pay. I get value." I was like, "All right, but I, I don't need you to pay because you give so much." But he's mm. like, "No, I want to pay." That's cool, you know. So, but again, that came from the podcast. You know, when you asked me like when we were talking about the podcast earlier, mm-hmm. it, it came from the pod. It came from and he heard an episode that That's he cool. connected yeah, with. You never know, right? You never know. And now he's like my mentor a little bit. He he helps me like set my life up so that you know, I in ten years I want to spend six months in Maui. Cool, Van. So tell me about Easton Online. Easton Online is. Uh, uh, Easton Online. I'm a part of, yeah. you know, I've been part of you guys, and you know, I've been a big fan for, you know, since I started. Really, I'm always a big part of me, just helping me set my school up. I yeah, mean, I was uh, 23 years old when I started my school, so it's all of the experience that we've had in being able to build martial arts schools, and you know, so now we Easton have seven schools. Uh, I think getting right around 5,000 members. You know, we do, we're, we're approaching 7 million in revenue. Mm. And that doesn't just happen. There's ways to do that. And we learned them through a lot of failure. And my favorite thing is martial arts, jujitsu. Mm. It gave me a life, it saved my life, it provides my life, it does everything for me. Mm. 
So what is a way to have greater impact? And if, if I can't, like I said, I don't, I don't want so much one-to-one -one impact. Like I have my friends, I have you and Amal and Jay and, you know, and the people that are tight to me, like, you know, the neighbors who live, uh, but I don't want more of that, but I still want to greatly impact. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways to do that in the martial arts community is to help other people make their school better. So, okay, what do we do? Uh, just tell them what to do. We just give, uh, I don't know, you you ask for it, we provide it, right? I, I don't think I'm ever like, uh, no, nah, I can't give you that. Like, hey, you do your best. Yeah. We the know? same thing that you've always done. Yeah. To, to support. And you just, you give, you know, you don't give, you guys pay, everyone pays, mm -hmm. right? Uh, give the knowledge away. Because what else are you going to, yeah, you, you can learn it. Everyone can learn it. We're just an organized place for this industry to learn it through all of our mistakes and all of our failures. And it was what I was saying to Erica. A lot of it is just the people business. Mm -hmm. You just have to learn how to handle people, different people. And then after that, the martial arts is just the vehicle. That's you. That's kind of the easier part. But the reason for starting it was a lot of people are good at doing martial arts. And that's one thing. Like, that's part of it. You have to be good at martial arts to teach martial arts and have a martial arts school. But there's all this other shit. <laughs> <laughs> right? There's all this other uh, organization. And even the teaching of martial arts, you can, be good at te you can be good at doing martial arts. But if you just have your students come in and kill each other, you're not going to have many students. Mm -hmm. So how do you set it up, even the curriculums, so that a student learns and the student progresses and the student stays. Mm -hmm. How do you create a culture in the school where the lions don't eat the sheep and people can really come and uh, be open and feel that I belong here? Because mm -hmm. again, the only place that I belonged was mm -hmm. a karate school. Like, I don't know what would have happened with Elliot if there was no karate school where Elliot could belong. Mm -hmm. So I just owe a lot, I, I owe a debt is what is mm. I owe a debt to martial arts. Uh, you know, I owe a debt to martial arts. I owe a debt to my parents, and I owe a debt to them all that I really can't repay. So, if I can't repay it to them, then I must repay it in another way. And that's that's that was my thinking for Easton Online. Yeah, one of the things I appreciate about Easton's uh, is just the way you guys are. Like, there's no uh, crazy marketing or quick gimmicks or it's just like realness and we're going to do a good job. We're going to take care of you. We're, we're going to make a difference and we're going to give our best to do that every single day. Consistently. Every day. Yep. And we fail, we blow it. Sure. And then you adjust and you, sure. you know, and, and it goes bad here and there. Um, but you know, you see all these, you see a lot of gimmicks right now, mm -hmm. especially in the, how to sign people up. And this is my biggest, if your product is good, your sales can be simple. Mm -hmm. It can be so simple. And the sale is, I mean, I'll give it away on the podcast. The sale is really easy. Alberto, it's half off this month. Mm -hmm. This this first month, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and we, we, we make sure that we're a fit first, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and that you can come, because I don't want anybody signing up for the program mm -hmm. that, for jiu-jitsu, right, that is going to come once a week. Right. So I make sure that, this is what you want mm -hmm. and make sure that you think you can achieve your goals mm -hmm. when, you know, and then I say, Hey, can you come at least two to three times a week? 
I mean, you say, you, you know, I get yeses to all that. Mm -hmm. And then you just present them an offer. That's like, why would they not do it? Yeah. It's, hey, look, you know, the normal price is 200 bucks. This first month, it's 100 bucks. If you don't like it, it's a 30-day money-back guarantee. You just got to come for a month. Yeah. After that, you're, it's 200 bucks. Mm -hmm. So you get it all set up, you know, 2% yeah. of people cancel. I had my uh, my moment in the in back in the day. I don't even remember what what year that was in the early two thousands, uh, where I went to Colorado mm -hmm. and Stephen Stephen Oliver, the karate guy, yep, the business karate guy, yeah, you know, was uh, he had a had to run a business because I was trying to figure out. I had a all nighter after one of the Abu Dhabi uh, trials, right? Okay, and I was like, I gave everything I had to compete, to be the best, to fight, whatever. And you know, it was, it was I had nothing. I, I don't know how I was gonna pay my bills. You know, yeah. as soon as I got back, you know, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, you gotta create systems. You gotta." And I was like, "You gotta create systems." And we talked all night that night. Yeah. You know, and uh, and then next thing I knew, I was on a plane going to Colorado. Or not, I drove there because I lived in New Mexico at the time. Okay. I drove to Colorado and did the seminar with uh, Stephen Covey, not Stephen Covey, Stephen, Stephen Oliver. Oliver, Stephen Oliver, and he asked, you know, who's done. 5,000 hours of technical training, meaning training in the martial arts and right. being a martial artist, you know, and everybody raised their hand. And then who's done 5,000 hours of sales and marketing training? And only the fat guys in the front row raised their hands. All, uh, uh, um, Lloyd Irvin was there, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't fat. He was in, he was sure. in shape, you know. But only those guys raised their hand. And for me, I was like, okay, I got to do work in learning like business that's all it is and uh but of course you know and so with time you know with time you want to you you know there's a balance right there's a line and so you want to make a difference that's that's what motivates me that's what motivates you you know, yep. want to make a difference but uh but uh you also need to study these other things that you know we, maybe we really don't want to do but we have to do it because we want people to be able to benefit from what we do right and look, that you said it, systems. Easton Online is just systems. You just get our systems because we and know our systems work. And I'm so proud, man. I'm so proud, you know, after all these years uh, to be part of Easton Online. I'm so proud because that all-nighter with Amal Easton, you got to create systems. And then you had a, you, you had a speech one, one day and you're telling us, like, yeah, we're the best at our systems. Yeah. And I was like, Cool. I'm in the right place. I'm in. Yeah. You know? So. And that's all it is. <laughs> yeah. But that's it, all it is. It's, it's a lot. That's uh, all it is. But it's a lot of work, a lot of years. It's a lot of years. A lot a of years lot of, of failing. Failing. Yep. You know, I'm all sleeping in the bunk, you know, the the, the back of the, the storage shed in the mm -hmm. back of his, of his gym. Look, the, the the way we sell with the with the half price thing, mm -hmm. I learned it from selling Groupons. Because mm. we used because remember when Groupon was a thing? Sure, sure. And these people would, you know, you, 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 in the beginning of the year, f hundreds of people would flock. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, God, okay, this seems to get people in. They're mm -hmm. not the best qualified leads. Mm -hmm. How can we take that? I'm like, okay, so what if we just offer our own Groupon? Mm -hmm. Like, why do we have to use Groupon? And what if that just becomes the sale? Mm -hmm. And then that was it. Like, I learned it from the failure of Groupon. And then you do a good job, and people stay, right? Yeah. Like and when, if they're when not ready there, they won't. They so it's okay, too. It's fine. People, you know, when, when somebody asks you your sales pitch, you should be like, just do it. Mm -hmm. 
Nike, just do it. Just try it. That's my sales pitch. My, I don't have one. I'm not going to try to tell you that I'm great. I'm the most, like, when, when, when somebody asks me, I'm like, look, I'm the most expensive. This is the most expensive school in Colorado. No one's more expensive mm. than me, you know, than, than, you know, than, than this school. Uh, but we're the best product. Mm -hmm. So if you want a Honda, there's nothing wrong with Hondas. Go over there. But this is a Lamborghini. What do you attribute attribute Easton's success on? Oh, the people. Because there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people everywhere. But uh, it starts. You guys, with, you guys are special. It starts with this idea that you must make your students better than you. Mm. It starts with that martial arts idea. Mm. You must make them better than you. And that's what we do. Like the guys that run the school now, Mike, mm -hmm. Ian, Alex, mm. I, I I wouldn't even be hired in our in our school. <laughs> um, you know, they wouldn't hire me. We're the we're the masters of disasters. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm not I'm not good enough, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But because they're so much better, and the people that they're creating are yeah. going to be better than them, mm -hmm. because they get to they get to learn from the mistakes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I don't think this anymore. I don't think this anymore. I got to teach my students. A, a more skillful way so that they don't have to waste their time thinking like this. Right, right. And then they teach and then they teach and that's how it's got to go. And because if, if all your, if, if your ego is so wrapped up in the, your student being better than you both on the mat and running the school, then you're going to fail and you're going to fail. So make everyone around you better. And if you do that, then, you know, I get to come hang out with you because I'm not allowed to go work in the schools anymore, right? Like, I get to come hang out with you on a Wednesday. I'm making a difference, you yeah. know? Like, it was amazing. We had you teach the class today, uh, their new jitsu class. And, yeah. You know, I got to see you see you work and, and uh, connect with the students and share share your knowledge and, and then have an awesome lunch. Have a great lunch. That was so good. That salad was so good. I was about to order the wrong salad in Alberta. Shout out to Acai uh, Jungle yes, Cafe. Let's right? go. <laughs> let's go. That's how the kale, ca baby. My my wife. I, uh, we we have this you know long discuss you know funny story about quinoa because she used to tell me that quinoa is high in protein. Mm. I was like, baby, quinoa is high in protein for a, a non-protein, you know, a non-meat. So, but I need meat. Um, but I just want to let my wife know that I had a kale quinoa salad and it was amazing. It was amazing. So, uh, but yeah, that was, that was it. You know, when you say what it was like, Amal never held me back mm -hmm. when he, when I was, uh, when I was coming up and Colorado didn't have enough, he sent me to Henzo's, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and he wasn't worried about me leaving, you know? And then when I wanted to fight, he brought Dwayne in. And then I got to go to to to, to T's KO at the time it was called where mm -hmm. Nate was and learn. And then that connected me to go down to Jackson's and I remember Brendan Schaub was there yeah. the, starting the uh, yep. Yeah, and we were you know, we were all there. Mm -hmm. But Amal was never afraid of me, of my stars shining. And that's very rare, I think. And and I think that that's another like that's another Amal quality. Mm -hmm. Because he wants to do what he's gonna do. Mm -hmm. He never holds you back from doing what you wanna shine at. Mm -hmm. But that's very hard, you know. And he says he learned that from Henzo, mm. uh, because you, as a teacher, sometimes you're like, "No, don't go over there. I I have everything you need." Mm. But we don't have everything somebody needs. And as they grow, like I love my dad, but like we talked about earlier, he helped me to a point when I was 18, 
And every everybody starts fighting back against their dad at some point, as my children will. Mm-hmm. And they're going to need other mentors, other, you know, most likely male figures mm-hmm. that can be a uncle father type figure that are then going to go lead them. And Amal was never afraid of the next person that I was going to go with. And I would say that mentality and that idea really stretched. It's part of the magic, huh? Yeah, it's part of the magic yeah. is, is where we're willing to take chances with people mm-hmm. and ideas, fail at them, have it go as bad as can be, and then do it again, mm-hmm. you know, because don't let it change you. Don't let it change you because mm-hmm. you're uh, along this way of trying to give people their room to shine. Mm-hmm. They're going to burn you. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to burn you. Mm-hmm. That can either make you harden and cold you, to yeah. the world. Or you can again make a choice. That it doesn't have to. That relationship went that way. Find your end. Find your end and where that went bad. Fix and handle your end mm. and then try again to see if you did it better. Mm. Regardless of the amount of money you lost or the pain and the suffering, go again. Try again. Don't be scared. That's it, right? That's the name of the yeah. The name of, of the game. Well, just be scared, you know, rather be, than don't be, be scared, scared and just have courage. And just do it anyway. Just do it, yeah. Yeah, just do it anyway. Just like the first jujitsu class, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Be scared. Look, the Nike fra- the Nike phrase is amazing. You know, it, it, it's just a, it's an amazing phrase. Just do it. Yeah. All the other shit doesn't matter. Like the fear, the, the all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're petrified. You're petrified walking to a cage. You're petrified walking onto a jujitsu mat. You're petrified the next time you have a business opportunity. You're petrified. Good for you. That doesn't have to be it. That th- the default doesn't have to then this be the deciding factor. You can make a different choice. And if you believe that, if you wholeheartedly believe that, that you can make a different choice and you can own your life, then you will live the life of, of greatness, of, of amazingness, of, of, of wealth and riches. And, and I don't know about money. I'm not talking about that, right? You will live the life that you want. That's it. That's all. That, what else can you do? Yeah. I can't it. live the life you want because it's yours. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, brother. Thank you for yeah, man. all the work that you do. You've been doing all these years. Uh, thank you for your friendship. You're, yeah. You know, um, so proud, man. So proud to be connected with connected all, all these years, especially now with Easton online. We get to see see each it's other, which often, is really yeah, cool. Yeah. Great. And uh, talk about good stuff. We got to have lunch and talk about other stuff too. Talk yeah. about that kind of stuff and have lunch and spend time together. So I'm just so proud to. You're one of the giants that I get to stand <laughs> on the shoulders of, man. You know, see like, you see you grow up, you yeah. know, and do do uh, do big things, man. Small things, uh, small things, one day at a time. That that end up and you know that's all it is. So thanks, I appreciate it. You've uh, like I said to your class. I knew, you know, when Amal brought you and and then I, you know, I Googled you and we knew who you, I was like, okay, I'm going to be like Alberto. You know, I'm going to be a champion. So you were, you were the first champion in the jiu-jitsu sense that I like pointed at, you know, I even developed the Umoplata game. So, you know, and the first tournament I won was because that development. I played, I played that underhook scooping. The cross guard. Yeah. Grabbing the Umoplata from... Scooping the leg and grabbing the arm. So you could mm-hmm. go and plot it. You could sweep. You could triangle, armbar, pendulum, sw- you know? So yeah. 
that was the game that I learned, and that's wow, where cool. I won the first tournament that I ever won. And that little bit of success then made more success. And But, you know, like we were saying to your students earlier, you're the one who had to fail. Mm. Like, you're the one who, who failed at learning that all those times, and then I got to study it and not fail as much. So. Yeah. Yeah, like you you mentioned it, but like the thirteen losses, and so people ask like, oh, what is your biggest win or success, right? And in this whole scene, and it's and I was like, it's me losing thirteen tournaments, almost like the first match, you yeah. know, and for like over a year and a half, like traveling, spending money. Uh, I didn't have any mo money, and I would travel. I would sleep in the airports, whatever, right. whatever I had to do to chase after it. Now to come back, what happened? I lost. Tell everybody that. I feel like, you know. Feels <laughs> like, terrible. Well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, not giving up and then coming out the other side and become being a world-class blue belt. Yeah. Because I could have quit and I would have never have known that. You know, I was, I was already there. I was just right. inches away. And that experience has given me the confidence in everything that I do in my life. Uh, it's just like so ingrained in me. But you didn't know that I studied your game. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You didn't know that I studied your game and that's what led to my first win. So yeah. I only had to lose once or twice. It spreads, right? It spreads yeah. like a like a like a pebble in yeah. the, the water. And right? you don't know about it. Like the yeah. ripple it makes. Yeah. You know, so I only had that's to lose cool. twice. Yeah. I didn't have to yeah, lose, yeah. right? I lost <laughs> twice before I got a massive win. Yeah. And then that was it. And then that gave me the confidence to go. And then I had to spread my own ripples and yada yada, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. But amazing, that man. was the first ripple. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Hell yeah, man.